to the Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. I just wanted to challenge each one of us during this time from this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 9. And let's read. It says, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. Verse 8, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Father, we just thank you for your word, and we ask that you would just speak to our hearts and our minds today from your word. Father, speak spirit to spirit. I ask that you would just anoint the words that come out of my mouth, that it's not my own understanding, but, Father, it's through the power and the anointing of your Spirit that we come together today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is scriptures taken out of Corinthians, but let me just give you a bit of a background. Paul has gone to the city of Ephesus. It seems like that on this mission journey, he was just going to stay for a short time. But then something happened. He said, there is a door that is open to me, and it's a great effective door, but there's some opposition. Now, Ephesus was one of the great cities of the world. It had one of the seven wonders of the world. The Temple of Diana was in the city of Ephesus. And people from all over the world would come to Ephesus to see this temple. It was about 425 feet long, 200 feet wide, 60 feet high. It was a magnificent temple to the goddess Diana. It was a, the second largest city in the Roman Empire behind Rome itself. It was a cultural center. It was a financial center. It was a trade center. Four major roads from the Roman Empire passed through Ephesus. But it was also a very ungodly city. You can imagine with the the temple of Diana there, um, the court prostitutes and everything that went along with that worship. And here Paul comes and he's just going to pass through. He's on his way to the Corinthians. He says, I want to come spend the winter with you. But he sees something there. He sees that there is an opportunity for the gospel. And we read about this ministry in the book of Acts, chapter 19 and verse um, 1 through 10. But verse 10, it says this, And this continued for two years, 
so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul says, I want to come to you in Corinth, but there's a door that's opened here in Ephesus. And he said, I'm going to stay at least through Pentecost. But in Acts, we see that he stayed there for a full two years ministering in the city of Ephesus because this great door was opened to him. And it said not only did the Jews, but also the Greeks received. And as I read that, it kind of struck my heart. The locals and the international community that came there heard the word of God because of this open door that Paul had. We're here in Kuwait. Crossroad International Church is here. We mainly minister to our expat community, but God also wants us to reach our local community. So I just want to share for a few minutes about this door. First, we want to see that it is a door of opportunity. A door of opportunity. In the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, we see the march of Christianity. In Acts chapter 8 is when Paul was, or Saul of Tarsus, was persecuting the church. And it says that people were scattered throughout the world because of the persecution. Verse 4 tells us that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Didn't matter where they ended up, they shared their faith. They turned the world upside down with the gospel. Now, I hope you didn't come here because you were persecuted back home and you were fleeing from persecution. I think most of us in this room are here for a job or we're here with our spouse or whatever, but we chose to come to Kuwait. Now, some of the kids maybe didn't choose. They just came with their parents. You know, our oldest son, he said he went to the mission field against his will because he was eight years old, and where we went, he went. You know, but most of us are here because we chose to be. My question is, are we turning Kuwait upside down because of the gospel? The march of Christianity. The U.S. Center for World Missions said that it took 1,800 years for the population of Christianity to go from zero. Remember, before Jesus came, there were no Christians. After the death, burial, and resurrection, Christianity started, and it took 1,800 years from 30 A.D. to 1900 A.D. for it to go from zero to 2.5% of the world's population to be Christian. Then it doubled again in only 70 years, from 1900 to 1970. According to the U.S. Center for World Missions, it went from 25 to 5% of the world's population. And then in 40 years, from 1970 to 2010, it went from 5 to 12% of the world's population. Basically, right now, today, there's one born-again, 
on fire Christian, I'm talking about folks like us, not people that just are Christian in name, one Christian for every seven people on the face of the earth. And when I say not Christian in name, I used to work in Uganda and you would go up and you would witness to people and you would say, hey, are you a Christian? And they'd go, yeah, but not born again. See, they knew the difference between being born again, really saved, and just saying, oh, I'm a Christian because I'm not an animist or I'm not a Muslim, I'm a Christian. We have in America a lot of people that fit into that category. They say, oh, I'm a Christian because I'm an American. But they don't darken the door of a church ever. The march of Christianity. What this little chart tells me is that things are accelerating. The spread of the gospel is getting faster and faster the closer we get to the end of the age, to the return of Christ. The other thing it tells me, if there's one Christian for every seven people on the face of the earth, to see the gospel spread to every person, each one of us only has to reach seven people. I mean, when you put it in things like that, you know, when you, when you look at, oh, there's five billion people or five and a half billion people that need to be reached, I could sit back and go, well, there's no way I can do that, so I won't do anything. But when I realize my portion of that five or five and a half billion people is only seven, that makes the job a lot easier. Amen? Let me ask you, is your God big enough to help you reach seven people? If not, at the end of service, come talk to me and Dell and I will introduce you to our God. Because our God's able to do anything. Amen? He is the God of the impossible. Let me ask you a question. Are you in Kuwait only for a job? Or will you seize the opportunity God gives you to preach the word? God sent us here to be salt and light to this nation and to the people from around the world where we live and we work. God has given us a tremendous door of opportunity in this nation. And right now, in the end of August and the beginning of September, you're going to see new people in your accommodation buildings. You're going to see new people where you work. If you're teachers and you go to work, you're going to see new teachers coming in. I meant there's just an influx of new people coming into Kuwait. What an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with them. And not only is this a door of opportunity, but Paul says it's a door of obligation. He said, this door is open to me. It's not open to you, Dell. It's open to me. Amen? I have an obligation 
He didn't say it was open to Timothy. He didn't say it was open to Barnabas. He didn't say it was open to any other believer. He said it's open to me. He felt a personal obligation to share Jesus with the people in Ephesus. You have to realize, I can't do your job, and you can't do my job. There are people where you work that Dell and I may never meet. We may never have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, but when you work with them day in and day out, you have the opportunity to share the good news with them, mainly by your lifestyle. Lifestyle evangelism. Question, at work, if you were arrested for being a Christian at work, think about this, is there enough evidence to convict you or would they have to drop the case for lack of evidence? <laughs> Somebody said, I'm a goner. Amen? We need to understand that we have an obligation. It is our obligation to walk through the door. In 1892, a young lady by the name of Amy Carmichael, have any of you ever heard of her? She received her call to missions. She was 24 years old and she had a dream. And in this dream, she was in a jungle and there were many people walking across a field toward a cliff. And they were, it was like they were blind and deaf. And they were just like zombies almost walking across this field. And they would fall over the cliff. And she could hear their screams as they fell to their death. In her dream, she cried out and said, God, why won't anyone go and tell them that there's danger ahead? And the Lord spoke to her and said, Whom shall I send? And she said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'll go. I'll go. And so she went, and she spent a little bit of time in Japan, and then she spent a little bit of time in Salon. And then for 55 years, without ever going back home, she gave her life to ministry in India because she realized that there was an obligation. She had a personal obligation to reach those people that God had sent her to. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your obligation to those people that you have contact with on a daily basis. My prayer today is that God will touch your heart and that God will so move upon each one of us that each one of us feels a personal obligation to reach out to those that are around us. And then Paul said, it is a door of opposition. And there are many 
who oppose me or there are many adversaries. It's true there will always be those who oppose the advancement of the gospel. In Ephesus, there was Demetrius. He was a silversmith. He made idols for the goddess Diana. And because of the great revival in Ephesus, he was losing his business, so he rose up against Paul. You could look at this, and maybe Demetrius would represent your boss or the company that you work for. Maybe you want to do things a godly way, a biblical way, but that's not the culture of the company that you work for. Maybe they have a tendency to do some under-the-table deals, and you have to have a blind eye to it. Had a young man in Kenya that came to me one time, and he said, Pastor, pray. I'm giving my heart to Jesus, but I'm about to lose my job because there's a lot of bribery in the nation of Kenya. And he says, I don't want any to be dealing with bribery, and those under me are mad at me because I won't let them take bribes. And my boss is mad at me because I'm not passing bribes up the channel. And I may lose my job. What should I do? And so we prayed, and I said, you have to stand for righteousness. Take a stand for your convictions of what the Bible says you need to do and let God take care of you. Sometime later, he came back with this testimony. He said, Pastor, it got really bad. He said, I was the outcast in the office. But then one day, my boss came to me, and he says, I know you're a Christian because of your stand for righteousness. My wife and I are having trouble. Would you pray for us? We're about to get a divorce. And so he was able to share with his boss, and his boss ended up giving his heart to Jesus, and the wife gave her heart to Jesus, and their marriage was reconciled, and they became active in the church. Why? Because he was willing to risk it all to take a stand for the gospel. But there was a lot of opposition. There was a lot of adversaries in his company about that. Then also there was the religious leaders of the day that persecuted the church. Saul was one of them, and he became this great missionary. But I think the greatest opposition to the gospel is us sometimes. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, we see the ones that are holding back the gospel more than anyone else. Because we are uncaring believers. We love to come to service. We love to worship. We love to hear the word. We love to fellowship with the believers. But it doesn't go any further than that. They sit in the pews. We hear the message. But we sometimes have blinded eyes those that don't know. So Paul says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus. There's a great door of opportunity. Folks, we have wonderful opportunity in this nation to share the gospel. And I pray that each one of us would take up that obligation that it's for you and I, each one of us, 
must do our part. But remember, there will be some opposition. So let me wrap this up. What about me? So how does all of this deal with me? Doors of all kinds are swinging wide open, and here's the question. Do we listen to the voice of the enemy? Because the enemy will come to us and he'll say, oh, be comfortable. Be satisfied. Oh, you work really hard. You don't need to be doing all that other stuff. Hey, don't upset your convenience. You know, this is a hard place to live. It's hot. It's a bad environment. You've worked real hard. Oh, just go home, relax, kick back, watch TV. Don't worry about others. Don't worry about the lost. And then here's the kicker. His final thought to us is, just keep doing what you've always done and do it the way you've always done it. You'll be fine. That's one response to this message. The other one is, do I walk through the open door? Do I seize the opportunity? Do I fulfill my obligation? And do I press through the opposition? You know, we're comfortable right now. Everything's going good. The bills are being paid. Everything's happening. But God doesn't want us to be comfortable. God wants us to be at work in his field. When Kath and I were in Bible school, we had a couple of young ladies that used to sing a song that really touched my heart. And it talked about we're all sitting around God's banquet table but God's looking down going, who will go work in the field? Now, I don't know about you, but I love sitting at the banquet table of God. Receiving his blessings, receiving his word, receiving the fellowship. But sometimes we sit around the banquet table so long... We get so fat, we're not able to get up out of the chair to go out into the field to work. But how many of you know God wants us to be about his business? Jesus told his parents when they found him in the temple, don't you know I will be about my father's business? So my prayer for each of us today is that we will walk through the doors of opportunity. When you see that new person at work this week or next week, when you see a new family move into your apartment complex, take the opportunity. If, if you're too nervous or you, you just don't know how to come up and share with them, just give them one of those little cards and say, hey, we've got a great church. Why don't you come with us on Friday or Sunday night? And just invite somebody. Just open the door. Begin a friendship with them. An opportunity to share the gospel. Because each one of us has an obligation. But it won't be easy. Because there is opposition. Let me pray for you. Father, we just come to you and we thank you for this time.
We ask your blessings upon your word. Father, I know that this was not really an easy word to hear. But, Father, it's a word that each one of us needs to hear. A very simple word, but very profound. That, Father, you have given opportunity to every one of us. You have opened doors so many times, and we have not gone through. But, Father, I ask that in the coming weeks, in the coming days, that, Father, as we meet new people, as we have opportunity, that we will share the gospel with them. Father, let us be like those in the book of Acts in chapter 8, that everywhere they went, they preached the word of God. But, Father, let our lifestyle, let our actions be the greatest testimony that we have even more than our words. Father, touch our hearts right now. I just want to take a few moments of silence, and I just want you to examine your heart. Ask yourself that question. This past week, if I had been accused of being a Christian, is there enough evidence? Do the people where you work know that you're a believer? Or do they think you're just like the rest of the crowd? Father, we, we just come to you with humble hearts today. Father, so many times we've passed the doors that you have given us. We've been too busy. We've been too concerned about our own things. But Father, I ask that you would help us to see the opportunities, not the problems. Father, we commit to you today that with your help and by the leading of your spirit that we will walk through those doors of opportunity. And with you at our side, we will overcome any opposition and any adversity. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.